0: Welcome to the Lindsay and Tony podcast, where we talk about spirituality, business, and life experiences. In this podcast, we're bringing our private conversations to you. We believe that it's through discussion, action, and reflection that true change occurs. Hello, and welcome to episode 10. I can't wait for you to experience this episode. I interviewed author garnett schulhauser and i actually have interviewed garnett before on my radio show and i love talking to him so much i had to have him on my podcast to talk to him again and this time about his brand new book in this episode we talked all about his books and his journey with his spirit guide albert and those on the spirit side it was such an interesting conversation i can't wait for you to listen Before you listen, I'm going to read a little bit about Garnett. Garnett is a retired lawyer who lives near Victoria on Vancouver Island with his wife, Kathy. After practicing corporate law for over 30 years with two blue chip law firms, he retired in 2008 and his first book, Dancing on a Stamp, was published in 2012. He's also written Dancing Forever with Spirit Dance of Heavenly Bliss and Dance of Eternal Rapture. He has been active with book signing tours and speaking engagements, and he's been interviewed on over 130 radio talk shows, broadcast from studios in the US, Canada, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Australia. And this is actually show number 135 for him, to be exact garnett is a level two quantum healing hypnosis technique practitioner and you can find more about garnett his books booking sessions with him at garnettschulhauser.com and his websites will actually be in the show notes on my website lindsaymarino.com podcast enjoy the show So, Garnett, I'm so happy that you're here. I know we've spoken on my radio show before, but now you're on the podcast, and I cannot wait to talk to you about all of your books and different things that have been going on with you lately.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me back. It's always a pleasure to be on your show, Lindsay.
0: Yes, I love it. So, I know there's some people that are brand new to listening to um, our podcast, so they might not have heard even the radio show before. So can you tell us a little bit about how your journey started with um, with coming into contact with the spirit realm?
1: For sure. It was back in 2007, Lindsay. I was still practicing law, and I was strolling down the street one sunny afternoon in May, and out of nowhere, a homeless man jumped in front of me. And he looked like a typical homeless man with sort of long, stringy hair and a scraggly beard, dirty slept-in clothes, But there was something different about this guy. He had these amazing, dazzling, sparkling blue eyes. And his gaze was basically penetrating deep within me right down to the depths of my soul. And he was also sending me this wave of pure, unconditional love that was infusing my whole body with an amazing sense of peace and security and well-being. So I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights until he broke the spell by saying, why are you here? And he promptly disappeared into a nearby store. So then. When I collected my wits, finally, I went to the store to find him, but he was nowhere to be seen. I went back out the street, walked up and down for several blocks trying to find him, but he had disappeared into thin air. So the next day, I came back to that street, very same time, very same place, hoping to spot him because I wanted to find out who he was. And I finally spotted him sitting all alone on a bench. And I went up to him and I said, who are you and why did you stop me the other day? And he said, well, I'm a soul just like you. I'm here to answer your questions and help you on your journey. And that was the beginning of a conversation that we had off and on for the next several months. He told me his name was Albert and he was really one of my spirit guides in disguise. And, and it, it, so we had this conversation where I would ask questions and he would respond and he had answered all the big questions in life, like who am I, why am I here, what's my purpose, and what happens to me when I die? And he answered all of those very, very lucidly and a lot of other questions that sprung up as a result of his answers. And and after uh, uh, several conversations, he told me that uh, he wasn't here just to satisfy my curiosity, uh, but he wanted me to make his revelations available to everyone on the planet. And he said, I want you to write a book about what I'm telling you, Uh, which sort of surprised me because I had never dreamed of writing a book. But eventually Mm -hmm. he coaxed me into writing the manuscript for my first book, Dancing on a Stamp,
0: which is such a great book.
1: Well, thank you very much. And then after I finished that uh, uh, dialogue with Albert, he then showed up in my life again in a much different fashion. He came in astral form. I woke up in my bed one night and I saw this ghost-like figure standing in the doorway. And when it came closer, I could see it was my old friend Albert, but he was in astral form. And he said, come with me. I'm going to take you on some astral trips to the spirit side, to other places in the universe, other places on your planet where there's things that you should learn that you could uh, write about in your book and people that you could talk to, uh, to uh, spread their words of wisdom to all humanity. And so away we went on our first astral trip and uh, off to the spirit side. And that resulted in my second book, Dancing Forever with Spirit. And Then he came back two more sets of adventures. The the third set uh, resulted in my third book, Dance of Heavenly Bliss. And then the fourth set uh, uh, results in my new book, uh, Dance of Eternal Rapture, which has just been released in, like in the last month or so. So it's very exciting adventure, uh, very wise uh, words from my spirit guide, from other people that I've met on the spirit side. And um, I've been, it's been quite a journey, you know, from never believing that I'd ever write a book to having written four. Um, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a change for me, quite different from practicing law.
0: Yes. That's what I wanted to actually talk to you about is – your experience before having your spirit guide Albert come in and and show you the the astral side of things and show you himself. What was your like? Your life like before that?
1: Well, I was I was raised as a Roman Catholic, so that was my childhood religion. Yeah. I was in a very strict religious family. I was an altar boy. Did all the things that good Catholic boys do. Mm-hmm. By the time I hit my twenties and thirties, I was already beginning to doubt a lot of the things that the church had taught me. Uh, and, and so I was, uh, I, I rejected most of them. And then, so then I was in no man's land trying to find a new paradigm to latch onto. Um, and then, so I was really, I, I knew there had to be something more than just, uh, when my body died, that it's sort of, that will be it. That was the end of the game. I knew there, was, there had to be something more. I didn't know what it was so that Albert came into my life. So before Albert, I met Albert, I was practicing law, a corporate lawyer, I was a very straight-laced, uptight, uh, arrogant corporate lawyer uh, who, had, had, who had basically had no religion and no—not really didn't know, sort of in a spiritual sense, didn't know what to latch onto. So Albert sort of solved that problem, set me on a new course, uh, and you know, after I, a year after I met Albert, I retired from the law because it just seemed totally irrelevant. And I was off on this new path that Albert had steered me onto, which I found much more satisfying and fulfilling. And, and I'm much much happier per person since I met Albert, obviously.
0: Yes. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, I was curious, how have your daily habits changed since you met Albert? You know, previously, of course, you had to wake up and, and go to, to work as a lawyer. But do you find yourself jamming less things in? to your daily life with work? I mean, of course you have to spread your message, but do you find things have shifted?
1: Oh, immensely because I'm a lot less stressed out. Um, and I, and I do take things at an easier pace and I recognize that I'm not in a race, you know, I'm just, I should take things as they come and, and enjoy what I'm doing because when you're in a rush and always stressed out, you're not really enjoying your life. You're just sort of rushing through it. And, and that's what I did for all my law career, and so now I'm I'm much have a much happier pace. Um, I'm also uh, happier in the sense that I'm I know where I'm going, right. I know who I am. I don't have any any uh, concerns about that, and I know that I'm on a journey here to learn and experience things to help Albert as his messenger, which I'm quite happy to do. I'm also very much less judgmental. Um, I, I realized from talking to Albert and other people that uh, nobody is in a position to judge anyone else for where they who they are or what they're doing because you don't know the challenges they've faced so far or the ones they're going to face or what they had planned for their lives before they were born. And so it's just, it, 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 it makes no sense to try to judge people. and And so that, you know, before I used to, and certainly with homeless people before I met Albert, Mm-hmm. I would see them on the street and I'd think, you know, why don't you get a job like the rest of us, you bum, and quit living on the street, you know? I was very judgmental, very condescending. Now I, just, I don't because I just realized they have a, it's a soul having a journey just like me, and they chose that particular circumstance it, either to help themselves or to help other people. And so there's a purpose for all of this, and so we need to, uh, and we need to stop judging people because they have a different color of skin, have a different religion, yeah. speak a different language, wear different clothes, I mean, none of that makes any difference. It's not, it has nothing to do with the the soul deep down inside that they are uh, just like you uh, are and I am, and we're all going to go back to the same place. And so to be judging people for silly things is totally ridiculous.
0: Yes. Yeah. I totally agree with
1: that. I I also have a, a, sorry, one more thing that's really changed. I have a a much uh, different attitude towards animals because now I realize from uh, described in my second book, where I had a a, a preview of my life review, where I had uh, an encounter with my a uh, uh, little dog Oscar, a little miniature Schnauzer, and I found out there uh, when I was uh, uh, when I came home one day and I kind of ignored him rather than saying hi and giving a pat on the head that animals have feelings and and emotions, and I felt all of those from my little dog in this uh, life review, and it was just really. It was really heartbreaking because I didn't mean to offend the little guy. I was just lost in a cloud, you know. And and so now I realize that all animals, dogs, cats, everyone, they all have feelings and emotions, and we need to treat them with dignity and respect. So I have a much different attitude towards animals now.
0: Wow. That's so interesting. You know, it's funny when you just brought that up, it made me think of my dog, Romeo, and my husband. And sometimes I'll say, well, let's just go out to eat. We don't have to bring Romeo. He can rest. And he said, well, he's... He's a soul too. We need to take him, which I agree. He is, but yeah. he, he needs to have a fulfilling life too. So we bring him everywhere and we do feel like we're telepathically communicating with him at times too. Now, this is a question that's come up for my husband and I too. And I'm curious to know what you think. Since you had your experience with tuning into um, your dog, it's, his name is Oscar. Yes. Yes. Do you feel different about, um, eating habits related to animals. Do you feel as though? Do you yeah.
1: Feel as though? I, I feel like I should, I should become a vegetarian. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying and I try to cut back to yeah. some degree, certainly more so than before. Uh, it just it's very difficult for me because I was born and raised as a, in a meat and potato family. And yeah. it's really hard for me to cut it out. And I, Albert has chided me on that. He said, you know, when you eat flesh, animal flesh, you're slowing down the, 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 the rays of your vibrations uh, yeah. You're slowing it down. And so to really move up faster, you have to sort of uh, become a vegetarian. I hear him and I know what he's saying. I just find it difficult to do so. But I'm I'm, I'm sort of on that path. I'm thinking about it.
0: Yes, it's it's something that we've been talking about. We were having dinner the other night, and Tony, my husband, said, "I really, I'm really not feeling good about eating animals." That's what he keeps on saying. I'm like, "Please don't talk about it while we're eating." <laughs> um, but it's something that we've thought of, and it's interesting because when I do um, mediumship readings or intuitive readings, I find myself getting drawn to being more grounded. I will eat meat after because it does pull down my vibration so i can i understand what albert's saying with that but it is that human self when we're used to being raised a certain way to eat certain things it's hard to kind of shift that i guess it's like it's hard to
1: change yeah yes but i have my uh, my one of my sons and his wife are vegetarians and they get along just fine Um, and i so i know that it does work and you can be very healthy as a vegetarian Uh, But i just i just have to sort of uh get myself there but I'm not there yet
0: right now I'm wondering with you have you experienced um, any sensitivities to you I'm sure you've experienced sensitivities to your intuition since this has happened is that right have you experienced yeah yeah.
1: my my intuition is a lot keener than it was before I'm learning to I'm learning to to know that when I get a A flash of intuition or a thought in my mind that it's not just sort of random it's coming from my guides and I'm learning to pay attention to it and before it would just be sort of like well that's just a random thought who knows where that came from I don't pay any attention to it now I focus on it and that's that's because Albert has said when you get these flashes of intuition whispers in your mind they're really coming from your guides and you really have to listen to it try to understand what they're telling you and then act on it because that's really important
0: That's very good to hear because I know there's a mix of people listening. Some people are psychic mediums that are listening to this podcast and other people are just normal everyday people thinking, I want to tune in more, but I don't know if it's my own thought or it's guides. So I was curious to know too, I know you have Albert as a guide. Did you find that there were other guides around you that you became aware of when you had the astral um, experiences?
1: I became aware of one other guide. Her name is Alina, and I met her on the spirit side on one of my trips. and And she came on board my my guide team. Like as you know, y- your guys will change over the over the course of your life depending on your needs and where you're going. And yeah. so she came on board after I retired from practicing law. She's a very wise, compassionate soul. She her last incarnation on Earth was as as a, a Native American uh, 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 Indian in, in Wyoming, and she was killed in a massacre. But she's uh, she's on my team, and she's uh, she's uh, I really enjoy her guidance. She's the only one I've met. Albert says I have others, but he won't tell me who they are yet. Hopefully, one day he will.
0: Yes, you know, I was thinking as I was getting ready this morning and knew that I was going to be talking to you. I thought of the question: Do you ever know the night, the day you wake up and you think, "Oh, tonight when I go to sleep, I'm going to have an experience, and I'm going to see Albert in my." Um, astral travel do you ever feel like you know when you're about to travel or is it very random
1: it's uh, well it seems random to me but very planned by albert but he never tells me ahead of time he'll just show up uh all of a sudden he's there and he won't tell me when he's coming back next and i don't get any feelings so i, I just it's a surprise but i'm sort of ready for a surprise every night wondering whether he's going to come next
0: right do you have any advice? Well, I guess this would sort of lead to my next question. When I was little, I used to have a lot of outer body experiences where I would track astral travel. Um, and I find that as I've gotten older, it's not as frequent. And I'm just wondering if he's ever told you, you know, there are ways that you can get in this space or is it just sort of what, when your soul needs to do it, you become aware of it. I know we're always traveling
1: though. Yeah, we're always traveling. Yeah, when, when your soul needs to, when you your human mind needs to become aware of it by remembering it uh, to help you on your journey, then you will. And so, obviously, um, you, you, as a younger child, you probably needed it a bit more because you were yeah. new to this planet and, and you needed to have the extra comfort. Now you're sort of more advanced, you're wiser, and you know who you are and where you're going, and so there's not that same need to reassure you about really who you are. That's, yeah. that's what I would surprise. Surprise. Yeah
0: and that's a good answer and makes me think about a lot of different things too. Now, I'm curious to know what was the biggest message because I know each book has such a significant meaning to it. Um, what was the huge message in your last book that you feel as though you're supposed to share with the world?
1: From yeah, I- yeah, I think that the, the, the main message was uh, sort of about how we fit into the scheme of things in the universe and who, who really is the source. I mean, he's told me all along that the source is sort of the is everywhere we were spun out from the source. You know, that, that's the rough equivalent of what my religion as a kid would say was God. But it's not quite the same concept. And so one of the things that, they, that he explained is that, uh, um, you know, we, the, the source created the universe and, and sort of the, the one big bang moment. Um, And and the source did that in order to uh, experience, uh, you know, what it had created, the the place where it lived through many different facets. So the universe expanded, there were stars, there were planets, they created individual aspects of itself, which is like souls, like we are, and they all fanned out to sort of explore the universe. And and everything that we experience. the source experiences as well. So it gets to experience what it has created to appreciate itself in all, of its, uh, in all of its facets. And so, um, th- so the reason that we were created was to, to be sort of a means for the source to experience different things in the universe that it created. So that's, that's really our role, go out and, and evolve, uh, explore the universe, uh, be- become uh, more aware of what's going on, and then eventually, we, if we want to, we can merge back into the source to sort of uh, experience the unity of the universe. In 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 a sort of the source of all uh, all love is 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 right there at the source, and then having done that, we can then spit out again, keeping all of our memories and our in our uh, personality, and go and explore more. And and the universe is constantly splitting and expanding, and mm-hmm. so. What started off was one universe, then split. Into, it's like a cell mitosis, split into two, then those ones split again. It's continually splitting, and and, and every universe is slightly different. One of the things that was really uh, eye-opening to me was, uh, you know a lot of people talk about parallel universes?
0: I was just thinking that.
1: Yeah, well, that's how they're created, is because this universe splits into two. So now you have two parallel universes, then they split, and then you have four. And it's been going on for a long time. So he showed me. He took me to Earth present day in a parallel universe, and he wanted to show me just how these things work. And so it was really quite amazing because, and I, I described this in my fourth book, mm-hmm. he, he took me, first of all, to uh, New York, and we and we touched down at, on lower Manhattan, and there were the uh, World Trade Towers still standing. And I said to him, now, what year is this? And he said, well, it's the current year. It's like, you know, 2016. I said, how come those uh, uh, trade towers are still standing? He says that's due to a quirk in the history of this planet. And what happened was that way back when uh, Mohammed was walking the earth, he died in a freak accident at a very early age. Therefore there was no no Islam ever created. He didn't start a new religion. Islam did not exist on that planet. There are no Islamic terrorists. There was no civil war in Syria. There was never any crusades because the Holy Land wasn't occupied by infidels, according to the Christians. So none of that happened, and so the so the the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center did not happen. And the Middle East, which is predominantly Muslim now, it, is mainly Christian in that world, uh, Christian and Jewish, and they get along very fine. And there's no uh, no no strife, no civil wars, no terrorism. That's really so
0: interesting.
1: Very amazing difference. And then, uh, and even. Uh, perhaps more startling difference was that he then took me from lower Manhattan up into uh, uh, what is now known as Harlem in, in, in Manhattan. And he, and he dropped me down on the street and, and we're standing there and the people are sort of walking by. And he said to me, do you notice anything different? And I said, I, uh, it looked normal to me. And all of a sudden I realized there were no black people walking on the street in Harlem. Mm-hmm. I said, how, how does this happen? He said, well, Another quirk in the history of that planet, uh, in that universe, was that in, uh, before the colonization of America, Europe abolished slavery. So there's never any slave trade from Africa to the Americas. No slaves in America. Um, there was no civil war. Lincoln didn't have to emancipate slaves because there weren't any. And as a result, the, the population of black people in America was about like 1%. That was just mm-hmm. from normal immigration, as opposed mm-hmm. to the 13% that we have now. And so obviously, civil rights movement never happened. Martin Luther King was never born in America. Um, and that was how that planet had developed in that universe. Two different little quirks, which at the time, you, you wouldn't even think had made any difference. But when you look back on it, compared to our Earth, huge difference.
0: Yes. So do you feel as though when you're traveling and experiencing all of this, is there a time change? I know, I know what I believe about when we change, um, when we're going from this realm to the next in that, in the heavenly realm or whatever you want to call it, it's very quick, you know, a year here might be a minute there. Or time doesn't really exist in that way. But what do you what do you suggest about the spirit realm with timing?
1: Well, with timing, it, it's it's there really is no linear time in the spirit world, as you mentioned. There's no past or future; it's just one big now. So you're right. So when uh, a lifetime of eighty years for a person on Earth, it's basically the blink of an eye over there. Yeah. And, and so and so when when a soul is contemplating incarnating on Earth, you know. Uh, it, Instead of thinking that, oh, boy, I'm going to have to be born and live for 80 years. It's going to be a long drag through everything that happens on planet Earth. From that perspective, they think, oh, it's just a brief adventure. I'll be back here before before you can turn around. And so yeah. it's a different attitude there. And, but but basically, the, one of the tough things for us to um, comprehend, at least for me anyway, is that all of our past lives, present lives, and future lives all happen together. So it's like a simultaneous concurrence or concurrent uh, uh simultaneous event and it all it all happens now except that we experience um, our lives sequentially so that for example even though they're all happening at the same time you you believe that a life you had in the 16th century is happening before a life in the 18th century and that's so that you can uh, you know move along the uh, the scale uh, uh, in an appropriate fashion learning from your past experience applying that to your next incarnation so that's why you learn it and view it sequentially, even though it all happens at once, which is really a difficult concept for humans to understand. We're so used to past and present and future.
0: Right. And it's funny because years ago, I don't know how many years, it probably shifted in 2007 for me, where I never believed in past lives. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to pick up a book about past lives until I feel drawn to it. And it happened. It unfolded for me, and I started to do some past life regression And I realized that it was really happening. And it was that feeling of right now, even though it's considered a past life, it's happening as we speak. And it's very interesting. And it did take me a little bit to understand, but I just know in my heart what's true. And I know that it really is happening. Um, I'm curious to know, what is your thought on what happens when we die?
1: What happens when we die is that our souls leave our physical bodies. in fact, typically they leave a, f- a few minutes before your physical body actually dies and like, like Albert explained to me uh, you know if you're in a car if you die in a car accident, your soul will actually leave your body moments before the impact, so you won't feel anything you'll just be sort of up there observing what's happening and and and, and it won't be distressing to you because you realize that that was just my physical vehicle on earth, which is now which has now ceased to, to live. But I'm I'm a soul and, and I'm I'm going to carry on. And then and then typically what happens is that your spirit guides will come, basically take you by the hand, lead you over to the spirit side where you then are met by a welcoming party, which will be usually your your, your deceased relatives like parents, grandparents, great grandparents, uh, you know, anybody else that you're close to who has died before you. Yes, they'll be there welcoming you with open arms and giving you unconditional love. So that's sort of a, a great greeting, you know, to, to, to get you into the spirit side, back into the, the, the swing of things on that side and to realize that, that you are eternal and that there are a lot of people who love you and there's nothing but unconditional love on the spirit side. So it's a, he says it's very pleasant. We, it, we should not fear it whatsoever.
0: Yes, I love that. So do you believe that um, our past loved ones are still communicating with us from your viewpoint of of what's happened to
1: you and oh oh, sure they do communicate it's not sort of on the same level as your guides because your guides are sending you messages all the time but your loved ones will communicate where it's appropriate if they feel like you need reassurance that you know I'm still alive and well even though my body died you know they they will communicate they they will do it uh, through uh, telepathy if you're listening you can hear it sometimes it's physical things like dropping a a white feather in your path uh, you know putting on a song on the radio that you knew they loved, uh, things like that, that happens all the time. And so they do try to communicate and they do watch over us, not sort of 24 seven, like our guides do, but they are there just to see what's going on. Particularly if you're in a troublesome time, if you're distressed, they like to come and try to give you whatever reassurance that they can give you or that you're ready to accept.
0: Yes. I love that you're saying it. Cause I I can speak about it all day and in, in try to tell people that their loved ones are all around, but to hear it from you, people listening, they'll, they'll kind of think of it in a new way, in a new light. And I, I think that's important too. Um, is there anything else that you feel that we're supposed to know as humans living here and what can we do to make our lives better and the planet
1: better? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that we're not all sort of separate entities. Like we're souls, but we're all connected to each other and to the source. And so, then when you realize that, that then you're going to be less likely to lash out at somebody else for doing something because you you realize, okay, we're all we're all brothers and sisters. We're all connected together. And, and and you and you really when you lash out at somebody else, you're really harming yourself as well. And so you have to realize that. Then you have to realize that. The, the key to raising your vibrations and making yourself a better person is to embrace love and compassion and forgiveness and, and stifle your negative emotions like fear, anger, hate and greed. And, and those negative emotions cause most of the strife and violence and wars and terrorist acts on our planet. So we all need to sort of do that starting with ourselves because you can't really love and forgive others until you love and forgive yourself. And then yeah. from there, you branch out to other people, to your family, your friends, your neighbors, coworkers, and try to spread the message. Try to try to lead by being a shining beacon uh, of light, uh, and and convince others that by following your example, that they should too change their ways, and discard the negative emotions and embrace love and compassion. We do that, uh, then all of our vibrations start to rise, and we and we. We sort of move up. And, and eventually, if we can really conquer uh, uh, th- those goals, we can actually make a, f- a physical ascension up to the new earth. And some people have done it. Um, I've met a, 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 a soul the spirit side that I described in my last book where she had uh, she, she had, had a tragic accident where her husband and two children were killed in a car accident. She became very bitter and distressed and, uh, and depressed and upset. Um, and uh, she eventually was contemplating suicide, but somebody convinced her to go to India, to an ashram. There she learned to meditate, uh, and when she finally learned to forgive the the drunk driver who killed her family, um, then she was over that hump. And then one day she just uh, woke up from a meditation in in the, the, uh, the garden, found herself in a different place. It was the new earth. She actually physically ascended because she had really gotten rid of all of her negative emotions. And so it was really a good example that we can all do that, it's not easy to get rid of your negative emotions, but, but if you can and you fully embrace love and compassion, you can actually do it. And, and there, is, there is a new earth in a higher dimension for sure because I've seen it.
0: So you actually go, so for this woman, she, she's still here on earth or did she already? No,
1: you know, she, she made the ascension physically to the new earth. And, and then when, her, when she decided to leave that, that incarnation, the new earth, she went to the spirit side. And so that's where I talked to her. And when yeah. I said to her in your next incarnation, are you going back to the new earth? She said, I can, but I'd rather go back to the old earth where I can try to help more people make the ascension. And so she decided to sort of go back down to our earth to help others. Wow. Wow.
0: Um, There was another question I was going to ask also when you were speaking. And that was something that so many people want to know. And they want to know how can they connect in with their guides if they don't know their name and they haven't been aware of any outer body experiences, are there ways that you have that, that you feel like you can give them, give them ways to connect in with their, their well,
1: well, guides? The, the best way is through meditation. Because one of the obstacles to hearing the messages from your guides is that you have so many other thoughts rolling through your head every day. And, mm-hmm. and so you don't, you don't hear them, you don't pay attention to them. So by meditating, you try to quiet your mind, get rid of these other thoughts and then the, the messages from your guides will start to come in clearer. That's really the only way. And it's not, it's not an easy way, not easy to meditate. Mm-hmm. Some people can do it quite well. I, I mean, I do it uh, a, a bit, but I'm not really good at it yet uh, because Albert sort of, he's made it too easy for me. He's just sort of yeah. come into my life and I didn't have to do it the hard way, but that's really the way for most people is to just meditate every day, a few times a day, and then just mm-hmm. sit, sit there quietly and listen for the messages and they will come.
0: Yes, and do you find yourself communicating with Albert when you're not in meditation or you're not leaving your body?
1: Yes, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I'll uh, we'll have a, a brief little conversation. I I feel like I shouldn't be bothering him every day, so I so I just if I have a a question or something profound, then I'll contact him. But uh, yeah. but I I don't have a sort of a continual conversation with him.
0: Okay. And my last question about that is what kind of communication does he use? Is it more through your thoughts or do you hear him very clearly like a voice like you and I are speaking or do you see it like um, a memory come up in like a daydream when he gives you an answer?
1: Well, I hear, <coughs> excuse me, I hear him like you and I are talking, but it's telepathy. It's not, it's yes. not a verbal, it's telepathy, but, it, but we speak just like you and I are speaking. Yeah. So it's, it's a very direct sort of communication. There's no doubt I don't have to sort of try to perceive what he's saying through images or other nonverbal things. He just says it directly to me, which is why he, he did that, so that I could clearly understand what he's saying, so I could write my books. And So yes. I'm, I'm very fortunate for that.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious to know, how long did your books take to write? When Because each book I know would be different, but – did you feel so it was sort of like an automatic writing for every single book where he was just coming through you?
1: No, it wasn't really automatic writing. It was, um, we would have, a, when we had our conversations, I would take notes and I would sort of type them out on the computer. And then so when I was doing my manuscript, I, I had to sort of basically put it together in some sort of logical fashion. Uh, occasionally, if I forgot something, I would, I would ask him and he would tell me, but he wasn't really dictating it to me. I wished he had because it would have been so much easier. Yes. But it, but it, but it took my first book. It probably took um, a year and a half to do the manuscript because I had to rewrite it a number of times. I was new at the game, but my uh, second, third, and fourth books I did uh, from start to finish probably uh, six to eight months. So it was a lot quicker because I became, became better at it.
0: Yes. Yeah. I I'm just so glad that that we were able to talk today, and I feel like every single book that you have. Has a different, um, has so many different gems inside of each book. And I want people to really check out every single one of them. And I I feel like this is just the beginning of all the books that are coming for you, too. I'm sure you're gonna be getting more information with Albert.
1: Yes, people have asked me about whether there'll be a fifth book. Albert has said, yes, they will be, but he's going to tell me when. So I'm just waiting for my marching orders.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Can you tell everyone where they can go to get more information about you and maybe events that you have coming up or anything, anything new?
1: Yeah. Best source is my website, which is garnetschuhelhuser.com. That's hard to remember. So if you Google dancing on a stamp or any of my book titles, you can get to my website. There's information on all of my books. Um, There's uh, a, links to my social media sites like facebook and linkedin and so on um you can read a a download a free excerpt from each of my books you can watch a book video and i have the the recordings on from my youtube page recordings of all of my previous radio shows so you can listen to my recordings this is show 135 for me lindsay
0: wow oh my
1: gosh uh, and and they're all there and uh my email address is on my website be happy to hear comments or questions from your listeners
0: I love it. Well, I'm so thankful for you, all your time and energy and I'm thankful that Albert gave you these, this experience where you can pass on these messages that are so important for everyone to hear.
1: Yeah, and I'm very grateful for Albert as well and I, and I tell him that every time I see him and he says, yeah, don't worry about it. We can, uh, you can give me a big hug when you cross over to the spirit side for good.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Garnett.
1: Thank you, Lindsay, and have a great day.